This week's episode of Cinema Jaws brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in the App Store today. And we thank them for their support. Listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location at Cards Against Humanity in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is Rye, the movie guy, and sitting behind the glass inside the fish tank over there is Phil. Me and Phil, how's it going, guys? This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, we look at actors playing actors as we cover that top five right there it's actors a, playing actors in movies that's a good one man very meta you're like an actor playing a podcaster am i <laughs> i don't know a that's, podcaster playing a podcast that was my attempt at a dig i don't but know we if just saw this recently in a in a very big movie that we reviewed here on cinema jaw that being quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood sure and we commented on it there where you're watching uh leonardo dicaprio obviously act in the movie but he's playing an actor and at times right making that that shift where all of a sudden you know he's playing rick dalton right the actor acting inside it's, a film in which he's acting it's a, it's a movie within a movie right like like connected in new york where there's layers upon layers of reality so yes i i enjoy this topic right yes and uh to help us with that topic is a guest that actually ties in right in a way right to into once, upon, once a upon a time in hollywood yeah yeah we have joe o'connell who's the director of danger god also a columnist in austin can't wait to talk to joe i can't wait either um danger god is about gary kent who is a a stuntman and uh, maybe you know uh, cliff booth from from once upon a time in hollywood yeah based on this kind of character drew, so. drew inspiration from i love it for I sure can't Wait to talk to Joe. Uh, besides that, we have more going on. Do we not, Phil? Yes, we unfortunately do not have an eye for an eye this week, but instead we are replacing it with a film that Ryan already saw at TIFF, which is Judy. Which is another actor playing an actor. Exactly. That's how this ties in. I like it. She plays Judy Garland. Plus, we have a review of Hustlers. Right, which stars Jennifer Lopez, and Judy stars... Renee Zellweger, so I thought this would be a good time, Matt, for you to take Joe on in. Jennifer Lopez, Renee Zellweger movie trivia. Okay. What a mix and mashup I got going on there. Indeed. We got reviews of Hustler, we got reviews of Judy, and we have a great guest who's going to be joining us. Before we bring him on, we are celebrating Nicole Kidman all month of September. Let's start there, Phil. You got a fact for us. Yes, today's Nicole Kidman movie fact has to do with her one and only collaboration with Nicolas Cage, the foolish himself. Uh, the two of them have only made one film together. It was 2011's Trespass. It was a box office bomb. Uh, the film had a budget of $35 million, and it, it only grossed 24000 and it was pulled Whoa. from theaters within 10 days. Wow. I don't think I've ever even heard of Trespass. I have. Wow. I have. Maybe it came up on the show in, in the past, but... I don't remember. 24,000? Yeah, 24,000. What wow. was the year? 2011. Yeah, I definitely remember this movie. Wow. I feel bad for Nicole Kidman, because usually when we have guests, it's like Keanu Reeves made a poetry book. Morgan Freeman made a cookbook. Nicole Kidman has just been like all terrible, all bad things for her <laughs> the whole month, every trivia fact. Bad facts. 
<laughs> oh boy. Well, we'll pick it up maybe the last week of uh, September. Yeah, let's do that. I agree. All right, Matt. As you mentioned, our guest, Joe O'Connell, has a new movie he directed entitled, entitled Danger God. Joe, welcome to Cinema Jaw. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks guys for having me. For sure, man. So you're calling in from Austin? From Austin, Texas, yeah. How, how long have you been down in Austin? I'm, I'm a native, so ah. I'm, you know, I never left. So, uh, so you mentioned that you, you wrote for the Austin Chronicle, and you actually are able right. through the years to cover the South by Southwest uh, Film and Music Festival down there. Uh, just before we get to your, your film, Danger God, how have you seen that film festival progress through the years? It's just kind of grown exponentially. It, you know, it's incredible. Uh, there was a time, there's another film festival that uh, that is scheduled in like a month, the Austin Film Festival. Sure. And when I first started going around these things, they were similar. Uh, but South by Southwest just, uh, you know, warp speed past it now. You know, it's really one of the biggest in the world. What, what do you think is the driving force behind that? Part of it, I think, is the timing of the festival itself. It, it feels like a very good spring break-like trip for a lot of like film yeah. and music fans up north. Yeah, it's, and it's spring break in Austin, too. So uh, Janet Pearson, who's in charge of, of it, the programmer, uh, has done a really fine job. She's John Pearson's wife, uh, and John Pearson was a big producer in New York. And the two came down and relocated to Austin. And I think she's had a big impact. Mm. And it just, I don't know, maybe we're living in a movie time. It, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Well, it also, I mean, not to get too into the South by uh, rabbit hole here, but it also has those other aspects yeah. like the music and the tech and all that stuff that sort of draw just a lot right. of different audience to it. So, Yeah, it started as, as just music and it keeps expanding. And there's a, there's a comedy element to it now as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So they just keep adding more, you know. Why not? Yep. We're going to have to get down yeah. there, Matt. We do have to get down there. So we alluded, uh, Joe, at the top of the show that Danger God is a documentary, and it is about the prolific career of the stuntman Gary Kent. Yes, and his, his cast of characters that surround him. So, so how did this story come to be? How did you meet Gary, and how did this project get off the ground? Where did that idea and sure. everything stem from? Um, it goes back 20 years ago. Uh, I, I went to an agents conference, and I meet this guy, this silver-haired guy with a little Burt Reynolds mustache. He's swinging a, a briefcase around, and he, and he tells me a story. And and that night, uh, when you could still do such things, I went and rented a, a VHS of Satan Satis, an Al Addison film that Gary stars in as the good guy Vietnam vet. And I thought, this guy's fascinating. So I tracked him down and wrote a couple of articles about him and then just got to know him over time. And I kept telling him somebody had to do a documentary about him. And then there reached a time where I realized that somebody was me. Mm. And I just I just kind of made the leap and went for it. And I have a background as a journalist but, and also as a fiction writer. So it kind of brings those things together. And I know film pretty well, but I, I still had to figure out how to do this. And that, and that took a little while. To accomplish and and still all that while while you're saying it started the idea anyway it's 20 years ago yeah that was then you still get 20 more years of gary kent still working because he just never he's slows still down. doing it yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah that, that was part of the deal is i knew 
a structure to this story. I wanted to talk about the independent drive-in movie scene in the 60s and 70s, talk about Gary's career, and that's kind of act one. Act two is Gary's uh, life with his wife, who also starred in some films with him, like The Forest. Uh, and, you know, they had their troubles, and, and it's a little bit of a love story. And then I figured, had to figure out how to get out of this story. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the final act, which is Gary today. He's 86 years old, and he's still doing this stuff. And, and he looks great, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, we were just on a press jaunt to uh, Dallas this weekend and hung out with one of his old stunt buddies, Chuck Bale. Uh, and Chuck is the star of the, of the movie, The Stuntman. Uh, and it's, it's cool to see these guys together. They're old guys, but they're just tough as nails, you know. Uh, and they're, you know, Gary's, Gary's doing it, man. He's, he's still doing movies. Uh, he's flying out for uh, the premiere, the Los Angeles premiere of a documentary about Al Adamson in just a couple of weeks. And he's got some movie projects. People keep hiring him for them. That's great. Lo- the same low-budget stuff that he did early on, he's doing now. I mean, you know, once once you find a, a niche, you, I guess you got to stick with it, man. And he's he's definitely prolific. Uh, one of the questions, yeah. uh, you know, we we sort of mentioned at the top of the show that Gary Kent is at least partial uh, influence for the Brad Pitt character in Once Upon a right. Time in Hollywood. And this is a story. I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but this is sort of uh, in the trailer alludes to the fact that he actually was shooting movies out at the Spawn Movie Ranch and had a run in right. with, with Charles Manson. He did, yeah, and and he sat down with with Quentin Tarantino and and uh, Tarantino asked Gary all kinds of questions about Spawn Ranch. So that's why you, you know feel comfortable saying that he's partial, you know, inspiration for this. And if you look in the, the story, involves getting Manson to to fix a dune buggy. And if you look in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood over to the side at Spawn Ranch, you'll see the dune buggy. Really? Uh, yeah. So it's kind of an Easter egg there for people who know. That is a cool. And, uh, Tarantino's known for that, so. especially with vehicles. It seems uh, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned earlier uh, that you know you you had your background in in writing, fiction, and journalism, uh, and then you just figured out the film stuff. But I, I think a lot of the yeah. listeners are uh, at least aspiring filmmakers. Some of them are uh, trying to get their first feature going. So, what was your first step? I mean, what what did you do once you realized I have to tell this story? Yeah, I uh, Gary was releasing his memoir, and I knew that, okay, now I have to go cover this. I have to figure it out. So I overcompensated, hired a couple of film crews, uh, and just went and did that. And then my notion was to follow him on tour f- with his book, and we did some of that. But then we had to uh, make that trip to L.A. and go interview everybody. But, I, but you know, the movie that influenced me when I was getting going with all this whole thing was the Robert Evans documentary, The Kid Stays in the Picture. Oh, I love that one with the, with the animation yeah, and, I, and, and I, stuff. Yeah, and I watched it and, and I realized, oh, they're letting Robert Evans tell his story. And so I realized that I needed as much as possible to let Gary tell his story. And sometimes uh, I, instead of favoring the pretty images of people sitting in chairs and well-lit and everything, we went for guys in motion talking to each other and doing various stuff, even if the footage wasn't as good, uh, because I kind of have a belief that we'd rather see that. 
I think we're tired of talking to heads. Man, you you know you just almost verbatim said what I was saying to Ryan about your movie before we started recording. And I agree with you. Yeah. It's it's a refreshing style of documentary where you have people in motion. You don't concentrate on the talking heads. Uh, I'm a fan of documentary, so uh, I, I did appreciate that a lot. Well yeah. done. And, and I think, too, when it's not just talking heads, but, but you're able to change the format, I think the stories resonate a little bit more. You're able to, those stay with you, I think, a little bit deeper, right, than just yeah. a guy on screen telling you yeah. a story of the past. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of those talking head documentaries. Even when the subject is extremely interesting, it sort of bores me. It's like television or something. Whereas I, I feel yeah. like a doc, a feature-length doc should be more... Um, cinematic mm-hmm. in, in its storytelling. And I applaud you again, Joe. Well done. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. So yeah and, it, and in the end, I'm just, you know, there's, there's stuff like Gary going through health issues. Mm-hmm. I'm going into the doctor's office and I'm taking my little camera with me mm. and saying, uh, do you mind if I film this? Right. Because you have to, it, it's kind of the tradition of, of uh, documentary in some ways of you got to not have that camera be a player in the scene right you know it gets in the way and people get afraid of it i'm surprised they let you shoot the doctors that's good yeah yeah so from the time you actually started filming uh the movie until its completion how long are we talking we're talking 10 years wow Wow. which is just crazy yeah and there were stops and starts along the way and uh, you know, the big lesson for people making documentaries is you have to take charge of it. I've, I've made a second documentary that we just, uh, we have a rough cut on this past week, and it's taken me two years mm. to get to this point uh, because I know what I'm doing now. Yeah. And that took a while. Nice. You know, I had to find the right editor to work with me who was going to uh, listen to me and not want to try to make his own thing, you know. Mm-hmm. That's key, yeah, the, director, no doubt. the yeah. director's vision. I yeah. agree. And I, I think uh, another great thing about a documentary focusing on stuntmen is, you know, there, there was that wonderful documentary, Matt, remember, with the background singers called 20 Feet from Stardom? Yes. Where it focuses on somebody and, and an element of the craft that you might not normally focus on. Um, and, and here we have that here with the stuntmen. They just don't get enough credit, period. They don't, yeah. Uh, and, and all the screenings of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the Alma Drafthouse chain are preceded by Gary Kent talking about stunts and about Manson a little bit. But they also are, are making a pitch for an Academy Award for stuntmen. Wow. I support uh, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It can be the honorary uh, Gary Kent Award, you know? Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well done, so Ryan. For the jawheads listening to this that want to um, find out more about Danger God, where they can see it, so on and so forth, where should we guide them online for more information? Sure. Uh, DangerGod.com is our website. It, it's available. Uh, DVD came out yesterday, uh, came out Tuesday, uh, and you can find it at Amazon, uh, Best Buy, Walmart. Target, all those places, and streaming, it's available on Amazon, iTunes, and Spectrum, and other places that I may not know about yet. The distributor is doing a pretty good job of getting it out there. So, 
It's awesome. Yep. If you're looking for a good documentary, Jawheads, this is one to check out. No doubt about it. And uh, for the Jawheads that want to follow you along and uh, keep up to date with your second feature, do you got a, a personal Twitter handle? Yeah, JoeConnell.com is, is me. Nice. Yeah. Uh, check it out. And I'm, and I'm working on My second film is called Rondo and Bob. It's about Bob Burns, who was the art director on the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and nice. his obsession with Rondo Hatton, the creeper from old movies. All right. We'll dig into that a little bit. Yes. For yeah. sure. I like it. Uh, so Joe is sitting in on this entire jaw. Um, he has his top five actors playing actors in movies. Before we go further, though, uh, we like to end our guest interviews with a silly cinema cue. Phil, do you got something for Joe? Yes, Joe, I do. So this week, <clears throat> in honor of Nicole Kidman, uh, I wanted to ask, Nicole obviously definitely has a relationship with the Academy. She's the winner of, of uh, an Oscar for her role in The Hours. However, she has been nominated for three more, Moulin Rouge in 2001, Rabbit Hole in 2010, and Lion in 2016. Uh, and so my, my cinema cue for you this week, Joe, was out of all of those other three roles, Moulin Rouge, Rabbit Hole, and Lion, which ones would you say were the biggest Oscar snub and why? So, you know, you know, I, I would probably say Moulin Rouge, mm -hmm. uh, just because of the, the size of the production. You know, I like her more for stuff that came long ago. I hate to say, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, Australian comedies and teen movies. Okay. And she's in a movie called flirting. And I think she should win an award for that. <laughs> wow. I'm writing it down. Uh, it, flirting. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. It's a great movie. Uh, there's a couple of them. There were there were two uh, teen movies, and she was in that one that, by the same guy. What's the one where she's on the boat? Dude, I, I was just going to bring Dead that up. Calm, Dead right? Calm, and Ben Dead Stiller. Calm. Dead Calm. Dead Calm is my is my absolute favorite Nicole Kidman movie. I am telling you, Ryan hasn't oh. seen it. I wrote it down. It's a oh, good Dead one. Calm is incredible. And Ben Stiller yeah. plays a psycho killer, which is a very odd character for Ben Stiller to play. That's not Ben Stiller. That's uh. uh the guy from uh, Titanic. Dillon? What's his? Oh, Billy Zane. That's no, Billy Zane. Billy no, Zane. no, no, no. Yes, yes, sure Billy Zane. Hundred percent sure, Matt. Man, did I? Because I, I, I put it on. I put it on my queue, and when I looked it up, it's Billy Zane. That is right. Yeah, and Billy I Zane is correctly. so creepy in that movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. I can't wait to watch this one. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. There was one a while back. We weren't celebrating Nicole Kidman, but somehow this, this movie that she had done called Birth came up. And mm -hmm. this was the one where um, her, her husband dies, or it's like a fiancé, and then like seven years later, a seven-year-old boy comes up to her and says that he's oh, yeah. been reincarnated and it, he's her fiancé. What a great movie. I, I highly cool. recommend that one, too, as well. She's got it's some hidden birth. gems. It's called Birth, yeah. And, and then okay, she, I'll check that out. Yeah, she starts to maybe believe that, you know, then it, th that's the whole gist of it, is she starts to either believe or not believe if the seven-year-old boy is actually her, you know. Her fiancé, her long what, lost. What's the one where she and her dead children are afraid they're haunted? Oh, The Others. The Others is great. The yeah. Others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love The Others. Yeah. And I hope I didn't just give it away. You did, a little bit. It's an old movie. It is good stuff. Yeah. Very good. Oh, love it. All right, so like I said, Joe is sitting in on this entire jaw. He has his top five list, Matt. Um, brings us to a review yeah. of 
Hustlers. Highly anticipated review, maybe? I don't know. J-Lo is back, Ryan. This time she's hustling with Constance Wu, Cardi B, Lily Reinhardt, and even Julia Stiles. The movie, based on a 2015 New York Magazine piece by Jessica Pressler, is getting a lot of buzz. But is Jenny back on the block? Should we throw dollar bills at the screen? Or did someone just slip you a Mickey? I headed to the theater to find out. What kind of theater? I don't want to be dependent on anybody. I just want to be able to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. These Wall Street guys. You want them drunk enough to get their credit card? But sober enough to sign a check. We didn't do anything wrong. Is he dead? You know, Tony wouldn't let this happen. I'm going to text him. Who gave her her phone back? Destiny, played by Constance Wu, is the new girl at a strip club. As she struggles to learn the ropes, she's taken under the wing of Ramona, played by J-Lo. And a fantastic, deep, and genuinely loving friendship develops between the two women. Ramona shows Destiny how to manipulate the different types of Wall Street men who frequent the strip club. But after the 2008 financial crisis, the pair have to get creative in their strategies. So with the help of a few friends in the industry, they put together a little gang, helping victims have the best time they will never remember. Let's get this out of the way. While the movie does take a few moments to show at least one guy who didn't deserve the treatment, it's hard to not see this as a revenge picture uh, of the sorts of greedy perpetrators of the crime of the century, none of whom ever went to jail. And I found this to be utterly delicious. It was great to see those guys kind of get a little comeuppance, Ryan. But I'll get off my soapbox. What's refreshing about this movie is its effortless diversity. Two women of color take the lead and both deliver stellar performances. In particular, J-Lo shows that she truly still has it. She has the moves, she has the acting chops, and it's as if this role was written specifically for her. Her charisma, both physically and psychologically, simply vibrate off the screen. And I utterly believed her as the mastermind and master manipulator. Constance Wu, while very, very good in this role, is just a little outshined by her co-star. But this just may be J-Lo's best role to date, Ryan. The rest of the cast is equally talented and each get their own moment to shine. I found the plot energetic and the device of flashing from Julia Stiles as a journalist interviewing Destiny back to the events as she remembered them kept the pace brisk even for a nearly two-hour runtime. There's a whole lot of controversy, both supporting and backlash from the, the sex workers industry. From my research, it seems as though the, the production was very inclusive, hiring actual exotic dancers as extras and consultants on the project, including Cardi B and Trace Lysette, among others. I can't personally draw conclusions on that topic, but I would be interested to learn more. Just something to consider before you watch the movie, Ryan. At the end of the day, the movie is refreshing in its perspective, fun in its narrative device, well cast, well written, sexy, and dangerous. And the closing line of dialogue just may, may be my favorite movie quote of 2019. Wow, I, we must have saw two different movies. I, I, I can't believe you're giving such a glowing review to Oh, man, Hustlers. here we go. Here we go. What? Okay, number one, you actually believed that relationship between uh, Constance Wu oh. and 
J-Lo. Their chemistry was unbelievable. I thought it was fake, wooden, didn't like it at all. I didn't even like what? it. Okay, I didn't like Jennifer, Lor uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I'm about to call her, Jennifer Lopez's performance pretty much at all. The physicality of the role is what I would say, wow, she really, really fit the, the presence on screen. But once it comes to the dialogue, believing that she cares for any type of person on the screen, I, I didn't feel any love or caring or genuineness from her at all. Swear. Zero. I'm just, I'm staring. I know this doesn't come across on a podcast. My jaw is on the table and I'm staring at you in disbelief. And for everybody that thinks that, like she did such a great job on, on the dancing, I, it was decent at best. Decent at best. Let's see you go do a tabletop on a pole, right? Decent She's at 50 best. years old. Okay. She's doing amazing but, but then we got to get down to the fact that what you had just said about they clearly try to make a point that these girls who, who literally, let's, let's get to the point here, were, were drugging people and stealing money. You, they tried hard to get us to believe that they were only doing this to these Wall Street people who had it, money, had money and spare. in a way stole money from America and didn't, you know have any consequence happen to them so we shouldn't feel bad well but they do they do take a moment to show that there's one but you figure if they're taking a moment to show one there were plenty of others because they didn't know they were picking these people out at bars if they look like the person had money it didn't matter what the their profession was they were just being scumbags and and drugging people and and taking well, their money that's that's and, spoiler okay. alert okay well here's the thing <laughs> I, I'm, I'm watching this movie and and, and people are, are having a, a good time with it, right? And I'm thinking to myself, boy, if you reverse the sexes here and you had four guys drugging a woman and taking her up to a place, this would not be at all a hoot and hour of a comedy. But we're, we're laughing at it like it's, it, it was meant for, it was played for laughs in, in uh, many parts in this movie. And I, I didn't find it funny at all. Well, first of all, like I said, uh, right at the top, it, there, is a, there is a revenge element in this movie. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, is we've had hundreds of, however long cinema's been around of the exact opposite. It, I, I agree with you, but it, that's if they were, were targeting a specific group of people that they, they were, knew. They were. But it, that's what they Of think. course, things that's go off the say. rails, Ryan. Right? That's what happens in a crime movie. I don't know how well they were targeting the people. It was just anybody who had money. Just because you have money doesn't mean you're a bad person. No, but they were going after the, the elite, the 1%, Ryan, the Wall Street guys that they knew. I don't know. I didn't like it. All right. So I didn't buy that. You're wrong, but that's and, okay. And not only that, uh, the, all the chemistry of the whole gang, once they bring them together, so, they I mean, use this really? slow motion shot where they, they say, oh, and my sisters, and then they come walking in with that slow motion shot where J-Lo's in front of two of the friends. How many times? Three seven, times. Seven times? It's, it's so redundant. And even the slow motion shot of her walking near the end with uh, Lord playing uh, the royal song right before a, a big moment takes place in the movie was just so over the top and, and trying to be cinematic. I thought that was a really well-placed piece uh, of soundtracking. I, I thought the soundtrack was good, but I thought the, it was just too dramatic for what we were talking about here. I, I don't know. What? The other thing, too, is I can't stand seeing movies after there's been a little hype because I missed this one being in Toronto, and it, it got a little hype, and I didn't get a chance to see it, so then I got excited about it, and I was completely let down. I thought this, this was 
overhyped garbage. Wow, Joe, I want to assure you that Ryan is dead wrong about this movie. I hope you, <laughs> I hope all the listeners go see this because it's it's truly special. A, a, a turn, a flip of the script. It's it's a groundbreaking movie as far as representation goes, and it was also just a lot of fun. I, I liked it. I didn't have fun with it at all. How about a best scene or element that you want to highlight here, Matt? Uh, Constance Wu reflects back on her friendship with J-Lo and delivers some great waterworks in a scene with Julia Stiles. She just (laughs) lets it go. I thought it was just a a really... Good moment. Oh my god! That might be—that's probably her best moment in the film. Yeah, it was garbage. I, I didn't buy that at all. I chuckled. I, I thought it was just not good. What is wrong with you? For me, the only part of joy came when Usher comes into the movie. That was great. Which is, uh, you know, rap pop star sensation. He he comes into the strip club one time, and of course everybody goes nuts nuts that it's Usher and it's just so over the top that he is he's literally throwing stacks of money yeah it's it's played for laughs rather well I I had fun with that moment in the movie that was probably the highlight for me see okay I I I worked in the hospitality industry very different I'll admit very different but there is everybody's got that story of when the famous guy came to the bar you know and and that's that's how it is like money just starts flying everybody's in a great mood suddenly the manager's drunk and I, th- I felt that that was pretty genuine. Mm. How about a, a problem with a scene or element? There's a puke gag uh, that, that's recurring with uh, uh, what's L- Lily Reinhardt. Total dud. Yeah. It, it's, I guess, the comedic relief, and it just felt a little out of place in what's otherwise a pretty straightforward drama. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's, there's some laughs along the way, but this is not a comedy, and I thought that was a little too, bit of a phys- too much of a physical gag, and yeah, I didn't like it. So the big moment, J-Lo showing the new girl how to do the moves on the, the stripper pole. Mm-hmm. That's I, not I, the big moment, but yeah. I didn't like it at all. I, I, it was just dumb. You've established that, but and, I, you're and the so worst wrong. Part, the worst part is the fur coat. There's a... a, a <sighs> you didn't see this coming. Come on. I'm watching it five minutes in, and I'm like, boy, can't wait until the end of the movie when the fur coat's going to come back around. It, it was just so generic. And What? And who what? likes fur coats? Okay, generic? You know what? Who likes fur coats? Uh, plenty of people like no. fur coats. I'm not going to debate you on, on the uh, I hope it was a fake. On That's fur all coats. I can say. Listen, listen. There, there was nothing disingenuous about that scene. It was, it was great moments. Mm, didn't like it. What about it? Didn't, didn't, you, didn't buy it at all. How about influences here, Matt? Memento, first of all, popped <laughs> into my on. head. I like the way that they oh tell the story God. somewhat out of order and from different perspectives. They didn't really. Matt, this was pretty basic when it comes to a reporter telling the story of the story she broke. Nevertheless, we changed timelines. It was pretty basic. Uh, oh, American, no. American no. Hustle. No. I liked a, a little bit there. And, of wow. course, you got to go Showgirls just right. from seeing backstage. I, I went Showgirls... Uh, Drugged up, Wolf of Wall Street, made love to it. This is its child. Wow. I'm not sure you should say that. <laughs> uh, what did you learn here, Matt Kay? Watch your bartender pour your drink and never let it leave your sight. Mm. That's just good advice, people. Yeah. Not enough jail time went around for uh, so many people, right? That's what I learned. Not only the uh, Wall Street people that we know about, mm. but also the people involved in this article it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. How about a movie poster quote? Jenny is back on the block. <laughs> I don't buy that one. I went, uh, this is a lap dance that may cause nausea. 
You are so wrong about this movie. You no don't way. often get things this wrong. I'm not wrong. You're so wrong. You're believing the hype. That's what you do all I the time. I didn't believe yes, any you hype. Did. Dude, 100%. honestly, I went in pretty cold on this movie. I, I didn't think I'd be interested at all. One and a half jaws. I mean, the last... Maybe one. Four Jaws, folks. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This is one of the better movies of wow. 2019. No, it's not. Yes, Matthew. it is. No, it's not. It's, it's a, a one fresh, and a half Jaw movie. It's a fresh crime movie mm. from a from a girl point of view. I, I dig it, man. I don't see it at all. Whew. All right. Joe, you're going to have to see this one, I guess. I guess so. That's, I, <laughs> I, think... I can tell you that uh, in Texas, she'll always be Selena. Ah. Uh, Jennifer Lopez. And mm-hmm. There's a statue of her in Corpus Christi right on the water. How tall is this statue? It's pretty large. It's on a little gazebo. If you ever go to Corpus Christi, Texas, it's right on the bay. I've seen the Rocky statue in Philadelphia. Can we compare it to the Rocky statue? Uh, It's probably not that tall. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's part of this uh, gazebo thing. People are. It's a regular tourist trap. Interesting. Nice. Well, I did see the J-Lo wax figure at Madame Trousseau's in Vegas. So Okay. Well, there's not going to be any yeah. statue of J-Lo's character in Hustlers. <laughs> Listen, man, it's a damn good movie. You're wrong about it, but we can move on. All right. Um, because our second review later in the show is dealing with Judy, much different than Hustlers, uh, in, in, in a case where... Renee Zellweger plays Judy Garland. Our top five this week is actors playing actors in movies. Uh, Joe, you're our guest. We'd like to ask you, did, was this a difficult list to come up with or, or rather easy, fun? It was, uh, it was kind of fun to do, yeah. You know, and I, and I look for stuff that had a kind of personal relevance for me and things I'm working on, too. All right. There's always those things that influence you. So. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, you're yeah. getting us started at number five. What do you got sitting there? Okay, the number five is is the influence for my current documentary. It's Josh Lawson as George Lazenby in Becoming Bond. Now, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but I have not. You have not. Oh, it's great. George Lazenby is the forgotten Bond, forgotten sure. James Bond. I know the right. name. Yeah. And the movie, the movie is two things. It's it's Lazenby sitting in a chair talking to you, the full on talking head, and then recreations of his life with Josh Lawson, who doesn't look that much like him. <laughs> and, but but who does a fine acting job, in my opinion. Some some people kind of rag on it, but I think he did a great job. And I thought, wow, that's what I want to do. So in, in a sense, I did that because the people my next documentary is about are dead. Yeah. So we, we did a lot of recreations. Interesting. I want to see that one. Uh, throw that in the fish tank, Phil, if it's streaming somewhere, Becoming Bond. All right, that swings it over to me. At number five, I have Trey Parker of the famous Trey Parker-Matt Stone duo, playing Gary in Team America World Police. Still have not seen this movie. Really? <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. You've, you've got to see that movie, man. It's, it's really good. Gary's whole shtick, first of all, he's a puppet, for those of you who don't know, uh, but his whole shtick is that he is an actor, and that's what he's hired to do for the government, is act, which I, I guess is sort of like, you know, he's a spy. Uh, it's it's an old movie. We've all seen it. It's hilarious. Well, we haven't all seen it. I just said I haven't. Well, everyone except you, Ryan. <laughs> I guarantee everyone else in this room has seen it. You guys? Joe's seen it. Okay. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, for my number five, this is a, a smaller movie I don't think I've ever talked about on Cinema Jaw, but it does star Greg Kinnear. Um, he made a movie called Autofocus, and it was about the actor Bob Crane. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a good movie, yeah. You, you've seen this one, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so Bob Crane, for the jawheads out there that uh, have not heard the name, he was a very successful TV actor. Yeah. Um, I believe, I guess in the 1960s, he had the television show Hogan's Heroes. And he was a very, he was portrayed as this very wholesome uh, kind of guy, you know, uh, America, you know. Yeah, his face on a lunchbox. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. however. He's a gangster. Yes. <laughs> behind the scenes, once the, uh, the camera stopped rolling, um, yes, he was a kingster. Joe summed it up best. He was addicted to sex, <laughs> pornography, and, and not just um, pornography, but, but being in the, the photographs and taking the photographs and everything of the sexual image. Um, and of course this is all happening in the background he's got this wholesome image to all of America on TV screens everywhere. And of course, uh, at one point he's going to start uh, doing a Disney film and, uh, you know, these evils come up and, and what happened to Bob Crane, I believe is, is, is still a mystery. It's, it's, if you do like yeah. a Wikipedia page or a YouTube, the the demise of Bob Crane, what happened and, and who did what to him is is still unsolved. It's pretty crazy. Hmm. I, I, this movie sort of gets to the heart of that. You know? That was like 2013, 2014, right? Yeah, throw it. At, I didn't pull the uh, year. Can we throw that in the fish tank? What year autofocus came out? Um, but if you have not seen it, Greg Kinnear, fantastic job. And it's uh, just sort of bizarre. It's it, the kind of movie, I'm not even joking, after... It's done. You feel like you need to take a shower. Hmm. Oh yeah, I you know. know th- I know those movies. It's just sort of filthy. Yeah, but well worth a watch. Yeah. My number five autofocus into our fours we go. Joe, what do you got sitting there? Uh, Johnny Depp as Ed Wood and Ed Wood. I am so right. glad. Uh, this uh, came and there's up. a connection. There's a connection to uh, Danger God, which is that Gary starred in The Incredible Two-Headed Monster. <laughs> a film right. that was written by Ed Wood. Yep. <laughs> you you even have some of the amazing footage uh, in Danger God. Of incre- the incredible two head. Yeah, it's one of the strangest movies ever. <laughs> it's really it, weird. You know, the title says it all. The special. That's eff- it. They the spared, incredible two headed monster. They really spared no expense on the special effects for the two headed monster. It, wouldn't you say this? Is <laughs> <Right>. one of, <laughs> wouldn't you say this is one of Johnny Depp's uh, best roles, Ed Wood? It's up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I think he's born to play Ed Wood. I agree. I mean, yeah. he's he's had some good roles. We forget because he's sort of gone off the deep end. But mm-hmm. uh, early Depp was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, John uh, yeah. Edward Scissorhands, mm-hmm. Dead Man. All right, uh, swings it back to me at number four. We've just talked about this recently, so very briefly. Kate Blanchett as Catherine Hepburn in The Aviator. She just completely embodies. Hepburn so well, who's sort of a famous impression, right? Everybody did their Catherine Hepburn impression on like Saturday Night Live and stuff. We'd seen a lot of it, but she did it with with respect and authenticity and just pulled it off very, very nicely. So that's my number four, Ryan. All right. My number four is from a film which won the Academy Award that I think most people probably would say it was not worthy of winning the award. And we don't talk about it much here on Cinema Jump. Was J-Lo in it? But it was a black and white silent film called The Artist. Mm. And uh. it was the actor, I, I'm not good at my French, so let me uh, allow me to butcher this one, Matt. Jean Dujardin, who played George Valentin, who is a silent film actor, who meets this girl, Pepe, and gets her into the movies just as the silent film era is coming to an end and the talkies and the musicals are going to take off. Her career goes up. It's almost like a star is born, right? Her career rises. 
he's out of the business, uh, not being the silent film star. The, the one great element, obviously, that the artist did as a film was get the element of the silent film across to audiences who, who probably had never sat through a silent film. And to, be, to see this actor portray all the emotions without talking was quite the sensation, you know? Yeah. And it worked, and it was fun to go see. Was it worthy of probably the Academy Award now looking back at it? Probably not. What got snubbed that year? Throw it in the fish, fish tank. tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're filling them up in the fish Sorry. tank. I'm Sorry, not, I'm Phil. not positive on that. But the artist, if you haven't seen it, it is worth a spin. It is worth a spin. I still haven't caught up with it, so. Um, that was my number four. What do we got sitting at three, Joe? Uh, Faye Dunaway is Joan Crawford in Mommy Dearest. I no more this wire pick. hangers ever. <laughs> I have a pin on my leather jacket that is just a, the shape of a wire hanger with the red, like, Ghostbusters cross through no it. No more wire hangers! <laughs> that scene terrified she, me as a kid. Yeah, as well it should. <laughs> she's, you know, she's... It, Incredible that she was uh, Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also shot in Texas, by the way, shot in Dallas. Uh, and then she, you know, she's known for that. But I think that she'll go down in history as Joan Crawford. <laughs> Over the top as Joan Crawford and Mommy Dearest. That's a good one right there. It is a great one. I believe streaming on Amazon Prime. I just watched that scene on repeat, the wire hanger scene. <laughs> it's- right. It'll drive you nuts. All right, back to me at number three. I have Laura Linney. This is a twofer, Ryan. Laura Linney and Noah Emmerich as Meryl and Marlin on The Truman Show. Oh, yeah, I guess they are actors, oh. right? Yeah, and and I think what they did was the most despicable act kind of that you could do to somebody to have deceived him in this way, like we're talking about his wife and his best friend. Obviously, if you don't know Jawheads, Truman lives in a reality show, only he's not in on the joke. So America and uh, ostensibly the whole world is watching this man's life unfold in real time. And these two people are in on it. They're actors playing playing his significant others. And it's just so wrong what they do. But the, 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 the things that they go through to keep the story going, to keep all the... Um, pretense alive is is pretty enjoyable to watch it's a great movie i don't think we we've talked about it in a long time i agree that is a great one plus you got laura linney trying to sell like products while they're discussing right yeah (laughs) she's doing all this product placement because she knows she's on television (laughs) the implications of of those relationships i think are deeper than than what you get on the surface with that Mm -hmm. movie so it's a thinker that's a good pick matt thanks all right my number three oh my god comes from Another Academy Award winner, probably another film a lot of people would say not worthy, but I'm a big fan of this one. I'm going with Ed Norton in Birdman. That's what I got as number two. Nice. (laughs) So Ed Norton uh, plays Mike Shiner, who Mm -hmm. is like a method actor, and they bring in uh, him... Even though at the front, Michael Keaton's character doesn't want to bring him in, then they got to bring him in. Will he do the play? And he's almost afraid of him and his presence because he's this method actor and he's uh, so respected and so forth. Ed Norton comes in and he is just hilarious in this film. He is so method that at one point he wants to actually perform sex with Naomi Watts character on stage, you know, 
to get the acting right. Right, right. <laughs> Hilarious stuff throughout his interaction with Michael Keaton when the fight happens and, and they punch each other and they're wrestling in the underwear. Just hysterical. I love that. That is a great pick. Uh, obviously, I agree with you. I have it at number two. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a movie that kind of resonates with you, and it's just a weird film, you it's know? really weird. I think I'm still processing it. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it brought us back uh, Michael Keaton, too. He'd been gone. Way. He'd been gone for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Into our twos we go, Joe. Uh, Jeffrey Rush as Peter Sellers and the life and death of Peter Sellers. I have to admit, I'm, I'm, I, I haven't seen this one. Oh, it's worth checking out. Yeah, he he does a spot on job of Peter Sellers, and I am a giant fan of Peter Sellers. Some of his movies, like The Party, everyone should have to watch The Party at least once a year. And being there, I think is is has been the film that defines American politics for at least three decades. I've definitely heard people say that mm-hmm. before. I've never seen it yeah. either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Peter Sellers, a treasure. Oh, yeah. And, and what yeah. a character to tackle, right? I mean, when, when yeah. we're, we're talking about these actors playing actors, that's, I think, a very difficult one to, to get right. But you're yeah. almost playing and an that, actor. And that film it, it, that biopic just kind of gets into all the weirdness of him because mm-hmm. he was a weird conflicted guy he was incredibly funny but he had a lot of demons and he, and those are revealed in the in the movie very well that's good yeah that that's definitely one i got to catch up with man me too writing that one down as well all right back to me at number two this is where i slotted ed norton as mike shiner but you could easily go with uh, michael keaton in the starring role if I had to call an audible, I'd throw him in there because it's a, a great turn. And like I said, it sort of brought his career back, not from the brink, but he'd been gone for a while. So it was nice to see him again. All right. Well, my number two sort of actually ties in a little bit with Joe's pick since we were talking about Peter Sellers and being a weird and tormented kind of guy. My number two is Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman in Man on the Moon. I thought about this one, but I, I didn't think of Andy Kaufman as an actor. Oh, Taxi, my friend. Taxi. I suppose. That's how I knew him. I mean, yeah, I, me I, grew up, I grew up in a household where my dad watched Taxi and reruns. I just always saw this that makes, guy. That makes a there. lot of sense, Ryan. And, and then from that is how I was introduced to Andy Kaufman and, and his bizarre comedy. But this is one heck of a role by Jim Carrey. Who's the female comic who was his girlfriend on Taxi? She's great. She was in The Princess Bride. We threw it in the job. I can't remember her name. She's fantastic. But yeah, I think of him more yeah. as a comedian. Mm, well, he is an actor, though. And I suppose. Looking at this, there's very few actors I would have picked to say, hey, you got to play Andy Kaufman. But Jim Carrey, perfect. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm weird in that I don't find, I don't like Jim Carrey in funny stuff, but I like him in his serious roles. Mm. And I don't know too many people would agree with me on this, but. He grates on me in his in his slapstick comedy stuff, but uh, in the movies that you guys have mentioned, uh, I I think he's fantastic, and I and I like that movie a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Two Jim Carrey movies we got: yeah. Truman Show yeah. and Man on the Moon. Two good ones too. All right, so that was my number two, Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. Into our number one picks, Joe. What do you got sitting there? Okay, I'm self-serving one here, an Academy Award nominated film. Steve Railsback as the actor stuntman in The Stuntman in a role that was originally offered to 
Gary Kent. Really? Wow. But he turned it he turned it down. And if you and I don't know if you guys know the stuntman, but it's an incredible weird puzzle of a film. It's amazing. Uh, it, it was Academy Award nominated for Best Picture. I guess it's 1980. Wow. Yeah, I have uh, not seen back, it. And, and the double thing, Steve Railsback is most famous for portraying Charles Manson. Wow. In the, in the TV show Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter, that's right, yes. And, and Peter O'Toole's in The Stuntman, right? Yeah, yeah, Peter O'Toole's fantastic. He's always good, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not even joking yet. It's another one I'm writing down. I'm filling up, filling up my, my little okay. journal here. <laughs> I know. This is the, the best part of doing the show. we got <laughs> movies to watch for the rest of the week. Yeah. Some, some odd ones that have not come up before. Yeah. So I'm writing I, these down. For sure. That's a good one. This, this one I think we've talked about, but, man, it's been years because I don't know how, how often you can bring up uh, Chaplin. This was Robert Downey Jr. as Charlie Chaplin huh? in the movie Chaplin. Have not seen it either. You never saw Chaplin? No. I mean, okay, there there are people who would say that he was born to play Tony Stark, and I won't I won't make too many arguments about that. The, the the Avengers movies, obviously everyone knows I'm a big big fan. But Chaplin is probably his best role, maybe less than zero. It's up there. He won the Academy Award for it. He did not. No, he got snubbed, that's yeah, right. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um Didn't he win? I thought he did. No, I, you know, he nominated, but he didn't win. Are you sure about oh. that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna believe Ryan here. But uh just a great movie. I didn't catch up with it until very recently. In fact, it was after all the Avengers movies began, and I sort of uh, was very unsatisfied with the, the Sherlock Holmes pictures, but I wanted more Robert Downey Jr. I saw it on Netflix or Amazon or something, and I finally gave it a spin. And boy, it's just, it, it'll blow you away. And it gives you that respect. We were talking earlier about the, the artist for Charlie Chaplin, who could do so much without, the, without dialogue for most of his career, you know? Um, just just an amazing and he just becomes that character the physicality and the the movements that he made it's just a wonderful performance mm. i did fact check that yes nominated but didn't win right and this oh, was okay. this was at a rocky point in his career too when he was sort of uh, abusing drugs and getting into trouble for his behavior and stuff mm-hmm. so uh sort of brought him back a little bit yeah interesting i gotta catch that one as well might as well write it down chaplin's a good one all right my number one film is uh, an actress that I, I greatly admire playing an actress who I know the name and, and the legacy more so than I actually know the person, uh, and that being Marilyn Monroe. The actress playing her in My Week with Marilyn was Michelle Williams. Mm. And this came out in 2011, and it's set during a time when Marilyn Monroe went to England to work with Laurence Olivier on a film. And you have all of this uh, pressure on Marilyn. You know, at this point, um, there's all this paparazzi coming to the airport to see her. Everybody wants to know about Marilyn Monroe. And she herself isn't sure she's living up to the hype of Marilyn Monroe itself, you know. And she's yeah. on, on set and doesn't have her lines right and maybe not living up to expectations that the directors have and people don't want her on the film but they need her on the film because she's a name and all of that that you could feel um, about the person Marilyn Monroe and not the the figure that we know well what happens is is there's an actor there by the name of Colin Clark who gets tasked with basically being her chaperone while she's in England this is played by Eddie Redmayne Mm -hmm. 
before he had won Oscar and was a name. And he's tasked with sort of, uh, you know, getting Marilyn around, and he obviously gets to know her. And he ended up writing a book about his experience, his time with Marilyn Monroe, and then that book is the basis for this movie. And I think you get an insight into the life of someone who's so famous that we, we now think of this person completely as that, that icon and not as an individual you know, still working, making movies, right? Traveling, like an Elvis Presley, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it happened, I think, so fast for for Marilyn Monroe, where it was, you know, the the hype was so high, so quick. It was just a difficult time. Great performance by Michelle Williams. Again, this is another case where she was nominated for an Academy Award, didn't win, but for playing Marilyn Monroe, I'm a big fan of it. Hmm. It's nicely done, Ryan. Yeah, she's kind of chameleon-like in her roles. Mm-hmm. She you is, know. yeah. Um, any honorable mentions? Ones? This was a tough list for me. No, you got any? Uh, I did have uh, Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard, who is is the you know older actress who the screenwriter comes to visit, uh, losing her mind, creepy. Um, I had Johnny Depp and Ed Wood, Leo DiCaprio just recently as Rick Dalton in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sure, that's almost a given. Yeah, and. Last but not least, almost made my list, James Franco as Tommy Wiseau in The Disaster Artist. That's a good one. You know? Yeah. Good pick, Ryan. Any honorables for you, Joe? Uh, you know, Sunset Boulevard was on my list, but more for William Holden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's incredible in that movie. The whole, uh, the whole film. I, I don't know. Fantastic. Is he playing an actor or is he playing a... I forget. I, I think he's playing a screenwriter. He might have been an actor. Is that it? Okay. I, I think at All least right. when he goes to visit her, he's, he, it's because he's got like a script that he's trying to get done. Okay. So he doesn't really qualify. Mm. Great movie, though. Boogie, yeah. Does Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights count? <laughs> I mean, I see there's a bunch There's a bunch that I considered, like, but I, I thought, well... Yep. Porn acting's yeah. acting, right? I guess. I guess. Mm. They're well, in ad- adult films. You're such a fan of Hustlers. Why not? Uh, I don't know. About low blow. That. Low blow. I don't know about that comment. <laughs> hey, if we missed your favorite actor playing an actor in a movie and you have Twitter pulled up, shoot us a tweet at CinemaJaw or you can write us an email, feedback at CinemaJaw.com. What we're going to do is take a break. When we come back, Matt is taking Joe on in Jennifer Lopez. Renee Zellweger movie trivia, plus a review of Judy. Stick with us. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all and now Nicole Kidman has one awkward conversation with Batman in the 1995 film Batman Forever. I know. You called me here for this. The bat signal is not a beeper. Well, I wish I could say that my interest in you was... Purely professional. You're trying to get under my cape, Doctor? <laughs> a girl can't live by psychosis alone. It's the car, right? Chicks love the car. <laughs> what is it about the wrong kind of man? In grade school, it was guys with earrings. College, motorcycles, leather jackets. Now? Oh, black rubber. Try fireman. Less to take off. I don't mind the work. Pity I can't see behind the mask. We all wear masks. My life's an open book. You read? I don't blend in at a family picnic. Oh, we could give it a try. 
I'll bring the wine. You bring your scarred psyche. Direct, aren't you? You like strong women. I've done my homework. Or do I need skin tight vinyl and a whip? I haven't had that much luck with women. Maybe you just haven't met the right woman. Hey Jawheads, it's Matt Kay with a quick reminder of the September riddle. Here you go. Ghosts are in my past, both recently and a long time ago. I'm known for my good looks, but you just might fall in love with my voice. I've done many. I've been a snake, a dog, a punk rock hedgehog, and a mermaid princess. But it's not all whispers in my ear. I'm also an assassin in at least two different roles. Who am I? Write us your guesses to feedback at cinemajaw.com, and one lucky jawhead will win a prize pack or get to take me on in trivia on a future episode of Cinema Jaw. And thanks. And we are back on Cinema Jaw, hanging out with the director of Danger God, now available everywhere streaming movies yeah. is available. So you can uh, stream it now, and it is about the stuntman, Gary Kent. Yeah. Stuntman extraordinaire. Do it. Let us know what you thought of the film, too. If you do, give it a rent. Write us. Feedback at cinemajaw.com. Joe, uh, right before we uh, wrapped up the second, in- the first interview, you mentioned that you were working on something with the art director of Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Uh, Bob Burns was this uh, really interesting guy. He, he was the art director on the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and is uh, credited with a lot of the look of the film. And he also did The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, yes. The Howling, Reanimator. Oh, wow. Uh, some, yeah, he, so he's like front and center in, in the horror genre. He went to L.A. and did a lot of this stuff, and then he came back to Austin, Texas, and he did all this other. He had, he had a career doing all kinds of interesting stuff. Some of it art direction. He starred in a movie called uh, Confessions of a Serial Killer about uh, based on a true story that happened in this area, a guy named Henry Lee Lucas. But uh, what interested me, and I, and I met through Gary Kent, I met Bob Burns a uh, long time ago, it, it, and uh, he gave me a script that he had written called Rondo and May about Rondo Hatton. Who, Rondo Hatton was the creeper in a series of films, and his image is kind of iconic in the, in the horror fil- film, the award given out every year is the Rondo. It's the big award, which is a bust of Rondo from yes. one of his movies. <laughs> Uh, and he was obsessed with him, and I, and I, I realized that this was a this was fertile ground to do a documentary because I'm yeah sure I'm interested in the movies and and all that, but I love this idea that Bob Burns, who was a very normal looking guy, but was quite strange and and creative, was obsessed with this guy Rondo Hatton, who was very weird looking, but was a very normal guy, <laughs> uh, and and Rondo had a much happier life than Bob did. It's almost uh, two, and, and, two sides yep. of the same coin, almost. Yeah, and so you know, so we set about to do that. We did a lot of recreations, and uh, you know, it's kind of like half of the movie is a biopic, and the other half is more of a traditional documentary. So it's kind of weird. That's great, uh, man. And, and we've got a we've got a two hour cut, and I have to whittle away on that. Nice. So we've got a pretty you know pretty strong two uh, two hour cut. As of last week, when should so, we uh, when should we expect to see it doing the festival circuit or coming out? 
Uh, we, I hope in, in uh, 2020 that we that we'll be out there. Nice. Uh, Keep an eye uh, out the for festival, it. Festival, sir. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, it, I, I like it. I think it's really good. And, and you know, I've upped my game a lot uh, with this film. Cool. So always learning. And I, and I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's weird. It's so much fun to make a movie for those moments when you say, "Oh, I want to do that." Mm-hmm. And I watched uh, I watched the Third Man with Orson Welles, mm-hmm. and there's this scene in the French sewers, and there's a, these light, this great light, and everything. And I said, I want to shoot that with Rondo Hatton, <laughs> and so we actually went out and did it. And of course, later I discovered that that was entirely done on a in a studio. <laughs> uh, they, they built the the sewer thing. But we found it in Austin, Texas, and shot it. You <laughs> know, awesome. with rooms on the sides, big piles of you know uh, remains from left by the homeless guys living down there. Oh no! Uh, yeah, we just shot it right in the middle of all this stuff. It was yeah. great. Good thing wow. it's not. 4D, and that's how the movie begins. Four D with yeah. uh, smell. Smell a vision, right? <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, it's, a, it's an area that Austin is hoping to make into a tourist attraction at some point, but it's not now. Well, kind of maybe, scary now. Maybe that scene that you got in your movie will, will, will be, you know, archived one day. Can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Matt, before we get to trivia and before we get to our review of Judy, we did throw a few items into the fish tank. And I know Phil wants to swim up to the top. Let's open up that fish tank. Wait a moment. Who's coming with me besides Flipper? Here. That's a Sicilian message. That means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Yes, guys, thank you so much for letting me out this week. Uh, I am somewhat ill, and we also have a pretty big fish tank, so I'm going to jump on into these guys. You sound hilarious <laughs> when you're sick, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I do. <laughs> I mean, it happens, like, what, once every two months? You sound it's like the guy the in the Dristan commercial. I don't watch commercials anymore. Well, I guess nobody does. But go on. I'm dating myself. Um, the first one is Becoming Bond streaming. It is. It is uh, currently streaming on Hulu because they were a distributor of the film. So if you have a Hulu subscription, you can watch that film. Easy peasy. Okay. Um, when did Autofocus come out? Ryan, when did you say it came out? I wanted to say it was like 2000, 2001. So it was October 18th, 2002. Ooh, okay. So a little bit younger than that, but still right same ballpark. Um, what did the artist beat for Best Picture at the Academy Awards? Uh, specifically Best Picture, it beat The Descendants, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, The Tree of Life, and War Horse. Uh, most of those films it would also compete against and beat in other categories like Best Director, Best Actor, mm. Costume Design, and Best Score. I don't know if it's it's worthy of beating Tree of Life, which was a masterpiece. I don't know. That's a tough one yeah, right there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and our last one, who is the female counterpart to Andy Kaufman in Taxi? That was Carol Kane. Carol Kane. Thank yes. you. Thank there you. We, we remember her from Hester Street, Annie Hall, and then, of course, as Matt had mentioned, she was also in Princess Bride. She's tremendous talent did, did you Very hear this funny. news that they're thinking of remaking princess bride no yes shut up yeah we'll talk about it after we get done recording that is a travesty right. i hope that's a lie saw it on twitter yesterday so twitter doesn't lie matt 
Well, sometimes it does. <laughs> Was that everything in the fish tank? Yeah, that's all we got. All right, get back in there. We'll do. Renee Zellweger, where have you been? After her attempted comeback in 2016 with Bridget Jones's Baby, the film that bombed at the box office, I figured it was the end of her career. However, she storms back playing Judy Garland in her new film appropriately titled Judy. Will this be a performance we will talk about at the end of the year or just another failed attempt to recapture some glory? I walked all the way over the rainbow to find out. Judy? Have you seen Judy? There's an audience out there waiting to hear you sing. My mouth's dry and it could fall apart. Listen to me. Judy! I can't. You'll be fine. On you go. What? Room service. I didn't order anything. There's a man under the trolley. <gasps> Surprise! Ricky! <laughs> Matt, I'm gonna get it out of the way early. Renee Zellweger is simply amazing as Judy Garland. All the ticks and nuances of the famed child actress turned singer dancer extraordinaire are channeled through Zellweger perfectly. The net result is one of the best performances I have seen all year. The film opens with a flashback scene of young Judy Garland being lectured by a studio head while on the set of The Wizard of Oz. In just a few minutes, we see the extreme pressure that was put on Garland at a very young age. Not only did she have a strict work schedule, but also people managing what she ate and who she dated. One thing was clear, she was not going to have a normal life. The majority of the film follows Garland late in her career. This was a time when the spotlight had faded, but her name and legacy was still a draw at clubs and theaters that would pay her to do long stints of performing. One of those clubs was the Talk of the Town in London that hired her for a five-week run. It's evident that the drugs and alcohol are helping Garland get by, but what truly ignites her is the feeling of performing for a crowd. She fed off that energy. She needed the attention. As for the film's formula, pretty basic biopic here. The flashbacks used to explain why the subject is struggling in her current state. The reason Judy works, the reason it is worth seeing, Renee Zellweger. There, I said it, I can't believe it. Her singing is amazing. She is vulnerable, yet strong on stage. We feel compassion for her. We want to see her succeed. This is a film I think the real Judy Garland would approve of. I sure enjoyed it. I wish I had seen this movie just so I can completely crush that review, but <laughs> I, but I haven't. Can't. I can't. No, and I'm actually really rooting for this movie too. I'm I'm a fan of Judy Garland, uh, and and I also am a fan of Renee Zellweger. So I'm happy to hear that she's done well. This was one I, I was talking just last week while we did our fall movie preview, and I sort of recapped the Toronto International Film Festival, and I was talking about how they play these films in Toronto very early in the morning. So I think this movie was like at 8.15 in the morning. I had gotten my Starbucks, gotten to the theater, and really wasn't probably expecting much. I thought, well, it's a Judy Garland biopic, and I, if you've heard me on Cinema Jaw, am not a fan of Renee Zellweger. I've called her, you know, sourpuss, and, you know, she's got this, always this sour face like she's eating a lemon. And I, I just thought... I'm not going to like this movie. What am I doing here? So early getting out of bed after, you know, a night of drinking. 
and literally blew me away. I, 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 she's going to be nominated for an Oscar, hands down. Got to be the front runner at this point as well. I mean, is there like at least one or two biopics a year now? Oh, is, at least. Is, I mean, at least. And they're almost always about a musician, too. Musician, actor, actress, you know, artist. Oscar bait, always. Yep. Yeah. Always. Always. And I mean, when you're making a movie about Judy Garland, Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood and especially golden Hollywood. So you got that in track going for you. But it really was pretty spectacular performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for my connection for my connection for Renee Zellweger is she was a University of Texas student waitressing at Sugar's Topless Bar uh, when she got a role in. I think the fourth Chainsaw Massacre film, I think it's called Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. <laughs> and that was her first starring role, her and Matthew McConaughey. No way. In that Chainsaw movie. A yeah, couple oh yeah. of Texas, they, it's a, Texan greats. It's, it's a film they tried to repress because they, uh, because those guys got so big yeah. so quickly right after it. That's really? crazy. That is crazy. I didn't know that. I mean, I, I definitely did not see. I've seen most of the Chainsaw movies, but I didn't see that one. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, hey, Ryan, uh, wrapping up things with Judy here. Did you have a favorite scene? Um, I did have one particular scene. There, there's a few standout uh, moments in Zellweger's performance, but I think one of the best is when she goes to London for this long stint, and you don't know what it's going to be because we're, we're seeing the behind the scenes of what's going on in right. her life. And she's collapsing. Yeah, and there, there's alcohol and drugs involved, and she doesn't want to you know, practice. So they go through the the idea of, uh, you know, how the stage is going to be set up and she doesn't want to do any rehearsals. But damn it, once she gets out on the stage, if a star isn't a star, when she hears that clapping and the, the audience energy just comes to life and it's just like everybody's like blown away by the performance. And you're reminded of, you know, probably what a special performer Judy Garland was when, when the spotlight turned on, she could turn it on. Well, I'm going to have to go down to that YouTube rabbit hole later. All right. Uh, trouble with scene? The flashback scenes are so heavy-handed, right? I'm already explaining how the, the, the studio head is, you know, telling her, you know, who she can't date. They really spell it out for you. You know, they don't want her eating particular foods because they don't want her gaining weight. But it's really just presented in such a way it just hammers you over the head and and no worse scene than a birthday and and i I read up on it and i guess this did happen uh they were on a a film set and judy garland was celebrating a birthday in which the studio brought out a huge birthday cake for everybody to sing happy birthday and everybody else around the movie could eat the birthday cake but they would not allow judy garland to have a piece of cake wow that is traumatic that's crazy 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 so uh, all right. Uh, any influences you noticed? Standard biopic, right? Pick it, throw a dart at, at the screen. It really follows the, the idea of, you know, hey, let's throw a few flashbacks in there, show you the struggles they had and why, what the result is, and then sort of play out this uh, rough road of a career and, and go out on a high. Hey, man, the, uh, the Queen biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody, did amazing. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, what about anything learned I learned, and I, I was shocked by this. Maybe this is news to you guys, and you guys all know it, you know, but Judy Garland died at the age of 47. Very young. What? I, I can't believe that. She was 47. That seems so young to me. It's just insane she that lived, she died at 47. She, yeah, she didn't look 47. She lived hard, man. She, mm-hmm. she really did. Movie poster quote. 
movie poster, it would actually say this because people would know it would be my movie poster quote. Mm -hmm. It would say, never thought I'd say it, see it for Zellweger. <laughs> three jaws, three jaws, Matt Kay. But, you know, the downfall is standard biopic fare, but the performance is, I, you'll have to see it for year-end voting in, in our various critics groups, Matt. I'm sure I will. So there you go. Uh, if you see Judy... Write us an email, feedback at cinemajaw.com. Let us know what you thought of the performance. All right. Renee Zellweger has Judy. Jennifer Lopez has Hustlers. Good time to play Renee Zellweger, Jennifer Lopez movie trivia. I actually flirted with the idea. Well, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards, but uh, it'll work like this, Joe. You're our guest. You All get right. to choose if you want to go first or let Matt go first. There are steals, so if somebody doesn't know the question, you get a chance at it. And if you get stuck on any questions, you get one trip into the fish tank for Fill Me In Phil. He has at least clues to all the questions. And, and I should say they start easy. All right. That's good. <laughs> Do you want to go first? I need easy. Yeah. Sure, I'll go first. All right. Question one over to Joe. Renee Zellweger starred in this musical with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Richard Gere. Name it. Uh, you're talking Moulin Rouge, right? Is that right? No, I'm, oh, am I forgetting this stuff? Nope. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's not, that is Moulin Rouge, no. right? No, no, it is not. No, okay. Chicago. Chicago. Chicago, okay. Yes. Yeah, they all run together for me, mm, those musicals. That's a fair comparison. Yeah, Chicago came out one yeah. year after Moulin Rouge because uh, of the success. Okay. Of Moulin Rouge, yeah. for sure. Uh, one to nothing, Matt K. Question two over to Matt. Matt, Renee Zellweger's big break came in Jerry Maguire, who was played by Tom Cruise. Who played the football player Rod Tidwell in the film? Show me the Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah. <laughs> two to nothing, Matt. I don't like this. Those were the easy ones. Question yeah. three, back over to Joe. Joe, Jennifer Lopez made two movies with Ben Affleck. One was 2003's, G G G how do you say it? Geely. Geely. Name the other one. Oh, God. Two with Ben Affleck. <laughs> I have no Geely. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. And one other one. Any guess? I'm, I'm you know, got nothing. <laughs> Matt's got a squinty face I, here. I, I, yeah, because I'm almost ashamed that I know this. It's, <laughs> it's Jersey Girl. Ah, uh, okay. The, Kev, the Kevin Never Smith it. vehicle. It's yeah. it's actually decent. I think it was um, uh, George Carlin's last film perf uh, appearance, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. I know he's in it. All right. Three to nothing, Matt K. Question four over to Matt. Matt, Renee Zellweger start, <clears throat> starred in one film with Nicole Kidman. It also starred Jude Law, and it was about the Civil War. Name the film. Uh, no, this was Moulin Rouge. <laughs> Maybe so. No? <laughs> In incorrect. Oh, I thought for sure that was. Joe, you got a chance for a Civil steal. Civil War. Yes. R Renee Zellweger, I... Nicole Kidman, Jude Law. It was about the Civil War. Uh, it's uh, cold something. Yes, yes. Yeah. High on top. Uh, high on top. The cold mountain. Yes. Is that it. There no. we go. A little help there, but Joe's on the board. On the board. Three to one. All Three right. To yeah. one. All right. Three to one. 
uh, Matt winning and question five is over to Joe. Joe, in 2005, Jennifer Lopez starred in Monster-in-Law, a comedy about meeting her future mother-in-law. What iconic actress played the monster or mother-in-law to be? Oh, God. I guess I haven't seen her movies. <laughs> I'm going to guess Shirley MacLaine. Not a bad guess, though, right? That's wrong? That is that is incorrect. <laughs> oh, crap. That was going to be my guess, too. <laughs> you were nodding over there like he's got it. <laughs> was it Jane Fonda? <gasps> it was. It was uh, Jane Fonda. There you go. It is four to one, Matt. Joe needs the last three. I don't like the look of this. Matt, question six is over to you. Jennifer Lopez made one movie with Ice Cube. <laughs> it okay. came out in 1997. Name the film. Wow. J-Lo and Ice Cube in 97? I mean, okay. It's got to be some crappy cop buddy comedy thing. Ice Cube made a couple too many of those post Friday right that was earlier in the 90s I mean jeez man 97 <laughs> I th I, I'm gonna jump in the fish tank wow into the fish tank we go I feel like I should know this one Phil what was that Jennifer Lopez ice cube collaboration alrighty man you're way off so far <laughs> uh, your clue this week it's a snake movie one of the better snake movies. Anaconda. <laughs> How many other snake movies are there? Yeah, snakes really. Snakes on a snakes plane. On a plane. Snakes yeah. on a plane. That's about it, right? Wow. Five to one. Question seven over to Joe. Joe, the last two are 50-50. It's which actress, okay? Lopez or Zellweger? So you can only answer one of the two. Which actress, Lopez or Zellweger, starred in the following film? 2009 movie called Newtown, which was about a woman living in Miami, making her way up the corporate ladder. She accepts a position in a backwater town and falls in love with the man of her dreams, played by Harry Connick Jr. Who starred in that movie, Jennifer Lopez or Renee Zellweger? I'm going to have to go with Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Wow. Oh. <laughs> that was Renee Zellweger. Matt, last question of the game is over to you. Oh, wow. Also, 50-50, which actress? Okay. Jennifer Lopez or Renee Zellweger starred in the 2003 film Down With Love. The lead actress plays an author who encourages women to forego serious relationships in favor of independence. However, she is then seduced by Ewan McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> Who started it? Jennifer Lopez what year or Renee Zellweger? Did you say year? 2003. I would love to see you and McGregor get with J-Lo, but I, I just got to I, I imagine it was, it was Renee Zellweger. It was Renee Zellweger. <laughs> that sounds like a Zellweger-ish role. So, yeah. Matt, you destroyed me. Yeah, Matt <laughs> wins this one big time. Um, virtual handshake virtual to Joe. Virtual handshake, Yes. Though. Well yeah. done, sir. Well done. If, if it came down to a tie, we call it a jawbreaker here, Joe. This question would have been to you. Who's the better actress, Renee Zellweger or Jennifer Lopez? You know, I, I'm going to – it probably wouldn't be the normal answer, but I would say Jennifer Lopez is. I agree, Joe. I'm Correct. It's, it's Renee Zellweger. <laughs> that is so not true. It, uh, it's selective, uh, you know? Of course. Mm, yep. 
He does after this every that, after week. After that list of her films, I think it may be Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> That's great. The the real jawbreaker was this Age of Richard Gere closest to Matt. Age of Richard Gere. Okay. I mean, he did Pretty Woman in in the like early nineties, and he was already gray haired. I I would say he's got to be in his sixties by now. Sixty two. Lock him in at sixty two. Joe, you got a guess? Seventy two. Hmm. Give that to Joe. He's seventy. Wow. Richard Gere turned seventy this uh, past August. Mm-hmm. He's also looking great, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing good. No doubt. Yeah. All right. Wow. Brings us to the end of a great job. First and foremost, we got to thank our guest. Joe, this has been a blast talking to you, and thanks for coming on Cinema Jaw. Thanks, guys. It's been great fun. Uh, we also Even gotta... though I lost. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll have, we'll got to have you back on for a rematch when, um, when the next film drops, man. All right. We also got to thank our engineer, Phil. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. Always, always happy to be here. Hope you feel better, Phil. Me too. Matt, we got to thank the sponsors. Yes, we do. Thanks to Overcast and the Chicago Podcast Co-op, who help us get cool sponsors like Overcast. Hey, if you want to support Cinema Jaw, the easiest way to do so is by leaving us a review wherever you're listening to this very podcast. And while you're there, which is probably on your phone, just take it out of your pocket, click the subscribe button. One button helps us out tremendously. Until next week, I'm Ryan, the movie guy. I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on jawing about, about the movies. movies.